You guys ready for the word? Awesome, awesome. Um, growing up as a kid, I had a favorite show, as many of you probably do. Um, my favorite show as a kid was Mr. Rogers' Neighborhood. So yeah, Mr. Rogers. Um, so I loved, loved Mr. Rogers' Neighborhood. And what's funny, as an adult, I don't remember why I liked it so much. Like, I don't, I don't know why I loved it as a kid, but I just remember every Saturday morning. I was watching Mr. Rogers' Neighborhood, and I can also um, give them the benefit of, or the fact that they actually helped me, Mr. Rogers' Neighborhood, helped me learn how to whistle. I learned how to whistle from Mr. Rogers' Neighborhood. I don't, it's, it's true, it's a true story. Uh, they brought on a guy who was like a professional whistler or something, and he was talking to kids about how to whistle. And I remember one morning, I'm sitting there and I'm watching the show, and my sister couldn't whistle, she was four years older than me. So I really wanted to learn how to whistle so I could hold that over her, you know? Um, but I remember I was practicing, but I had the TV up really, really loud. Oh, looks like it's raining. Um, so I had the TV up really, really loud, right? And, uh, and I thought I had it, but I couldn't tell. So I went over to my parents' room where they were sleeping. Everyone else was sleeping. And I opened their door, and I saw them, and I just went, <whistles> and I was like, <gasps> and I closed the door, and I ran back in the living room, like, I can whistle! And I'm like whistling and whistling, and I ran over there to my parents' room again and opened the door, and, <whistles> and I did it again. I'm like, oh, I can whistle! So, love Mr. Rogers' Neighborhood. Now, when I was, as an adult, when I realized that they were making a movie, about Mr. Rogers, and Tom Hanks was going to play him and everything. I was really excited about that. And I don't know if you guys have seen that movie, but it's incredible. You should see it. Um, What I was amazed about with Mr. Rogers, Fred Rogers, is the way everyone was impacted by him. Any person who ever had any interaction with Fred Rogers was left touched. And the way people described him was that he was just present. He was just present to them. That when they talked to him, it was like they were the only person in the room. Like no one else was there, right? And so he would listen and what was unique about him, it wasn't anything complex. He just took his time with each person. He took his time to listen, to care, to have compassion, empathy, to ask questions, and every person left touched by this man. Just a very soft-spoken, simple guy. He just loved really well. And he had this quote. He said, I hope you're proud of yourself for the times you've said yes when all it meant was extra work for you and was seemingly helpful only to someone else. It was extra work for you, but just even if it was only one person. And it takes time to be present, doesn't it? It costs you something. 
to, to take your time with someone, to listen, to genuinely care, to have empathy, it's inconvenient, right? But we see it in Jesus's life constantly. It was like he was eager to welcome any interruption in the form of a person and to care for them. And so the title of my message this morning is Inconvenient Care. Inconvenient Care. Let's, let's pray over the word. Lord Jesus, thank you for your word. Thank you, God, that it transforms our lives. Lord, and so our hearts are open to you. Holy Spirit, we ask you to speak to us this morning. God, I pray that we will align our hearts with the truth of your word and the example of your son, Jesus. Oh God, we want to be like you, Father. And so, Lord, I pray that anything that comes forth from my mouth today, that it's not of you, may it fall to the ground and come to nothing and be fruitless. Lord, but may your word remain and bear fruit that lasts in our lives. We love you and we bless you. In Jesus' name, amen. So we are continuing in our series this morning on the law of love. Last week, we talked about uh, reputation removal humility, and how Jesus, the one person in all of human history who deserved the attention, who deserved the spotlight, who deserved to be honored and celebrated and talked about, was the man who chose to humble himself to lift up others and be a man of no reputation. And so we learned from his example that love doesn't celebrate itself, right? It looks for opportunities to celebrate others. That love looks for those opportunities to lift others up because love doesn't want to be seen. Remember, love's goal is to see rather than to be seen. And we also learn that love does not pursue personal significance. The reason why? Because we already have it in Christ. He's already affirmed us and told us that we are priceless to him beyond all measure. And so we can't be any more significant than we are right now in the eyes of the Father. And so we, we can let go of all that striving and grasping for significance that this world can be consumed with and just simply freely give out of the love that we've freely received. Amen? So uh, we've walked through all these different experiences of love from the Father, different attributes of love. We started with affirmation, how God sees us and values us, and we can do the same for others. His forgiveness, that, that as soon as we turn to Jesus, he washes our slate completely clean, and we are restored as sons and daughters of the Most High God. We talked about the courage of kindness and how the kindness of the Lord leads us to repentance and his humility. And then this week, we're gonna talk about that awesome attribute that Fred Rogers had, Empathy. A group together with empathy, I would say, is maybe the least talked about fruit of the Spirit, which is gentleness. Uh, a lot of people don't talk about the fruit of gentleness, but it's a fruit of the Spirit just like love and peace and joy. Um, it's in that same category. And so empathy and gentleness, I believe, work together and we see them at work in the life of Jesus. So let's look at Jesus because when we want to know what love is, we gotta know who God is. If we wanna know who God is, then we need to look at Jesus, who is the visible image of the invisible God. So let's look at his example in Luke chapter 13, starting in verse 10. It says, now he, Jesus, was teaching in one of the synagogues on the Sabbath. And behold, there was a woman who had a spirit of infirmity 18 years and was bent over 
and could in no way raise herself up. But when Jesus saw her, he called her to him and said to her, woman, you are loosed from your infirmity. And he laid his hands on her and immediately she was made straight and glorified God. But the ruler of the synagogue answered with indignation. He was angry because Jesus had healed on the Sabbath and he said to the crowd, so he's noticed, he's talking to the crowd. He says, there are six days on which men ought to work. Therefore come and be healed on them and not on the Sabbath day. The Lord then answered him and said, now remember Jesus again is publicly rebuking the Pharisees to let the people, to protect the people, to let them know this is not God's way. So what does Jesus say to him? Hypocrite, exclamation mark. Does not each one of you on the Sabbath loose his ox or donkey from the stall and lead it away to water it? So ought not this woman, being a daughter of Abraham, whom Satan has bound, think of it, for 18 years, be loosed from this bond on the Sabbath? And when he had said these things, all his adversaries were put to shame and the multitude rejoiced for all the glorious things that were done by him. So here, Jesus is trying to communicate to the people. He's trying to protect the people from the, from the pollution of the Pharisees' teaching and he's letting them know how to live with empathy. He's trying to let them know, listen, look, look at what he says. He pleads with them, he says, this woman is a daughter of Abraham. So the first thing he says about her is who she is, her identity. She's one of your sisters, for crying out loud. Come on, are you kidding me? She's suffering for 18 years, your sister, a daughter of Abraham. So first he identifies her, he values, he affirms her, he sees her for who she is, but then what does he say to him? Satan has bound her, think of it, for 18 years. In other words, he says, take a moment, put yourself into her shoes. Can you imagine 18 years of suffering where she could not stand up straight. Just take a moment, understand who she is. She's a daughter of Abraham, and then understand what she's experienced. Her pain and her suffering. And then, from that place of understanding, love her well. So he says, who she is, he says, take time to understand what it is that she's experienced and she's enduring. And then from that place of understanding, love her well. This is empathy. Jesus was constantly described as being moved with compassion. Constantly, throughout the Gospels, he talks about that. Moved with compassion. And it's, it, the, the Greek is like this inner working. It's like in the bowels, this feeling, this deep-seated feeling of compassion that overwhelmed him. A deep sense of sorrow with those who were suffering. So in uh, Matthew 
chapter 14, uh, John the Baptist had just been killed. He'd just been beheaded by Herod. And by the way, this is, John the Baptist is Jesus' cousin. So like it's family, right? Um, And so he had a relationship with him uh, and he cared for him. And so Jesus hears this news of his cousin being murdered. And we pick it up, the story, in, in verse 13 of Matthew 14. It says, when Jesus heard it, this news of John the Baptist, his cousin, he departed from there by boat to a deserted place by himself. So he just wanted to take some time to grieve, I, I assume. But when the multitudes heard it, they followed him on foot from the cities. And when Jesus went out, he saw a great multitude and he was moved with compassion for them and healed their sick. So just painting the picture a little bit, he just lost his cousin to murder, right? He goes away to be alone and then all these people, thousands of people kind of follow him where he's at and when he comes out and he sees the thousands of people all saying, oh, help me, 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 instead of being like, oh, just leave me alone for a moment, immediately, what's his response? Moved with compassion for them, and then he healed their sick. And then in Matthew 9, 36, there's another moment where it says, when he saw the multitudes, he was moved with compassion for them because they were weary and scattered like sheep having no shepherd. So he understood what they were feeling. He understood when he saw them, he was moved with compassion because they were weary and they were scattered like sheep without a shepherd. So he felt what they were feeling in that moment and then it moved him to action. So along with this compassion, you see a tenderness in Christ as well. Multiple times you see the gentleness of Jesus in action and how he treated people. Um, So there's a story in Mark chapter five where Jesus is very popular this time. Healings, miracles had happened. People were after him, multitudes again. And there was uh, the leader of the temple, Jairus, came to Jesus. His daughter was sick. And he says, hey, teacher, can you come and, and heal my daughter? You know, she's sick. And so Jesus starts following. He's like, yeah, I'll come. And so he's following Jairus. And there's thousands of people that are just thronging him, trying to get a hold of Jesus, right? And so he's, he's following Jairus. And there's this woman in the crowd who has, the Bible says, an issue of blood or a flow of blood for 12 years. She's seen all sorts of different physicians and doctors. Nothing could make her well. She hears about Jesus coming by and says to herself, if I can only touch the hem of his robe, I'll be made well, right? And so there's all these people. She's fighting through. She's a sick woman, fights through this crowd of people, reaches out, grabs hold the hem of Jesus's garment. And the Bible says that power went out from him into her body and immediately she was made well. Awesome. And Jesus says, who touched me? And there's thousands of people thronging Jesus. And so his disciples are like, Jesus, what, what are you talking about? Who touched you? Everyone's touching you. What do you mean who touched you? But he knew someone touched him with a touch of faith. And so he was looking around for this woman, and we'll pick up the story here in verse 33, Mark 5. It says, Then the woman, knowing what had happened to her, 
came and fell at his feet and trembling with fear. So trembling with fear, she's scared, told him the whole truth. She had thought, maybe I did something wrong. He says to her, listen to the way Jesus talks to her. He's eager to bring peace. He says, daughter, your faith has healed you. Go in peace and be freed from your suffering. So he speaks to her with tenderness and kindness, but then look what happens here. While Jesus was still speaking, some people came from the house of Jairus, the synagogue leader, and said, your daughter is dead. Why bother the teacher anymore? Jesus, overhearing what they said, told him immediately, and I just picture Jesus grabbing hold of his shoulder, knowing the weight of that news, your daughter is dead. Jesus steps in and says, don't be afraid. Only believe. And with tenderness, compassion, empathy, and gentleness, he speaks to both the woman and Jairus. And then, of course, as the story goes on, you know it, he raises his daughter from the dead. Praise God, that's amazing. And you see this time and time again in his ministry. Whether it was the woman who was caught in the act of adultery, the way he talked to her, the gentleness that he showed her. Woman, where are your accusers? Has no one condemned you? Neither do I condemn you. Go and sin no more. The way he treated the leper by touching him before he ever healed him. Someone with leprosy, having the care and the tenderness and the gentleness to touch a leper and the healing that came from that touch. So, what do we learn from Jesus? What do we learn about love in these stories? Number one, love invests in understanding. Love invests in understanding. It it puts in a deposit. It pays the price to understand Hebrews 4, 15 and 16 says, for we do not have a high priest who cannot sympathize with our weaknesses, but was in all points tempted as we are, yet without sin. Let us therefore come boldly to the throne of grace that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need. Jesus invested in understanding us and the human condition by becoming a man. God himself, the incarnation, Advent, the story of Christmas became a man to sympathize and understand and care perfectly with us, having experienced every hardship that a human can experience in his time on the earth. We have a high priest now who sympathizes with our weaknesses, who understands our temptations and our hardships because he became a man and he cares about how we feel. And he feels with us It takes time to understand someone else's experience. It takes time. And it's a sacrifice to take the time to understand someone. Just like Fred Rogers, just taking the time and being present, having genuine interest in the life of someone else. It costs us something. But it starts with doing exactly what Jesus said. Just think of it just like the woman with the infirmity. Just think, take a moment, 
put yourself in someone else's shoes and, and, and pursue understanding. Take time to understand what it is that they've experienced, their situation. It invests in understanding. Love invests in understanding. Number two, love shares the burden. Love shares the burden of someone else. John 11, this is an amazing story. Um, Lazarus and Mary and Martha were a family that was close to Jesus in his ministry. And Lazarus had died, right? And Jesus came and even told his disciples, hey, Lazarus is asleep, we're gonna go wake him up. And they're like, well, if he's asleep, you know, won't he get better if he's, he's sleeping? And he's like, okay, I'll give it in layman's terms. He's dead, but we're gonna go make him alive. And so he goes and he first meets Martha and she's, of course, I mean, her brother just died. And they seem to be a very close family. So she's grieving, heartbroken, saying, if you were here, he would have lived. He says, hey, I am the resurrection and the life. So he talks to Martha and then our story continues with Mary in verse 28 says, and when she had said these things, she went her way and secretly called Mary, her sister saying, the teacher has come and is calling for you. As soon as she heard that, she arose and quickly, quickly and came to him. Now Jesus had not yet come into the town, but was in the place where Martha met him. Then the Jews who were with her in the house and comforting her, when they saw that Mary rose up quickly and went out, followed her saying, she is going to the tomb to weep there. Verse 32. Then when Mary came where Jesus was and saw him, she fell down at his feet saying to him, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. So she is bawling at the feet of Jesus, weeping over the loss of her brother. Verse 33, therefore, when Jesus saw her weeping and the Jews who came with her weeping, he groaned in the spirit and was troubled. And he said, where have you laid him? They said to him, Lord, come and see. And then verse 35, Jesus wept. Not shed a tear, he wept. Then the Jews said, see how he loved him. Now Jesus knew he was coming to raise Lazarus from the dead. We know that that's clear. So why did he weep? He didn't weep for Lazarus. He wasn't weeping for himself and his loss. I believe he was weeping with Mary and Martha. He was feeling what they were feeling and he was moved and overwhelmed with compassion for the people that he loved. And he owned that. He didn't have to own that, but he did. He felt the brokenness of her heart within himself and he shared her burden. Galatians 6.2 says we are to bear each other's burdens and so fulfill the law of what? Christ. What's the law of Christ? The law of love. Bear each other's burdens. Share that so that someone's carrying something. If they're carrying something hard, 
then as believers, we come alongside them and we share that with them. And sometimes it doesn't require anything to be fixed, just something to be shared. And that's enough. That ministers. It ministers healing when we share the burden. Number three, love prioritizes tenderness. When we love people well, we don't just think about what we say and do, but, we, but how we say and do. It's not just what, it's how. How is what I'm saying, how is it going to land? How is someone going to receive this? This act, how, how are they going to feel by me doing this? And we're aware of that. And we show gentleness, empathy, and tenderness. A big part of empathy isn't just identifying with how someone is currently feeling, but also how they may feel after something happens or after we have said something. True love thinks ahead on behalf of other people. Look at the story of Jairus, right? Jesus is there. He hears the people tell Jairus, your daughter is dead. And knowing exactly the crushing weight of that news, of grief, overwhelming grief. I mean, maybe the hardest thing that any human being can experience, the loss of a child. That feeling, knowing that that's coming, that wave, that bullet is about to hit Jairus, what does Jesus do? He steps in front of the bullet and he grabs hold of him and says, don't be afraid, only believe. He had empathy, he knew it was coming. And he spoke to it before it got there. Before he became overwhelmed, he spoke hope into his life. Healing, care. And we have the opportunity to do that. When we practice the fruit of the spirit of gentleness. So, lastly, number four, love. Whoa. Love. Enough said. That's awesome. <laughs> yes, Lord. <laughs> Speak, your servant is listening. <laughs> what do you, how do you follow that up, you know? All right, God, okay. <laughs> Number four, love doesn't grow weary in compassion. Love doesn't grow weary in showing compassion. Like, like with, that, with the multitude, Jesus had every right to take a moment and to grieve the loss of his cousin. Like he, he had every right to do that. That's okay. But yet he still was moved with compassion for the multitude that was there. He didn't grow weary in showing compassion to them. I mean, I get tired. Okay, let, let's just be honest. Especially late at night. I get tired of listening and caring and showing compassion because I'm worn out and like my, I'm, my bucket is empty and I'm like, Ugh. you know, it's hard. And so if my kids aren't feeling great or they want to talk about something or Katie or whatever, at night, it's just, I'm not, I'm not my best, the best version of myself, okay? So my bucket is low and it's easy, it's easy to grow weary and showing compassion especially when you have five kids too. <laughs> that can, it's easy to do that. 
But the Holy Spirit makes up for our weaknesses. Isn't that amazing? The Bible promises it. When we are weak, he is strong. His strength is made perfect in our weakness. And there's moments, not every moment, there's moments when my bucket is low where somehow the Spirit of God steps in and I'm able to operate in love even when I've got nothing left. That's the grace of God. And His grace is sufficient in every scenario and in every moment. So, I want to close with this. How do we respond? How do we respond to this incredible gift of love and empathy and compassion that God gives us? How do we freely receive this? How do we take this in from the Lord? First of all, it's just the knowledge, knowing that God cares about, he knows how you feel, and he's felt everything that we could, have, we could ever feel. He understands. We have a high priest who understands us, who sympathizes with our weakness. That's incredible. That's such an incredible gift that God knows. He's experienced everything, suffering, hardship, abandonment, rejection, pain, immense amounts of sorrow. Jesus was called a man of sorrows, acquainted with grief, right? We have a God who understands, who empathizes with us in our weakness, in our hardship, and who cares. And because of that, we can receive his care. We can receive his care. We can bring our feelings to God and entrust our heart into his hands. Our heart is a very tender thing, but we can trust Jesus with our heart. So no matter what it is that we're carrying, the Bible says, cast your cares upon the Lord for what he cares for you. So we can freely receive that care. Come to the Lord. Bring our feelings to Jesus. Don't minimize them. Oh, well, uh, man, I mean, there's people in Africa that have it far worse than me. Sure, there's perspective. We can only live our life and we only have our experience. And it doesn't mean that it's any less valid. We can bring those feelings to Jesus. And then guess what we do? Surrender. We let go and let God come in Heal, restore, and mend. So we freely receive, and then because of that, we can freely give. We can remain in his love. How do we freely give? We take our time in showing compassion. We take our time in showing compassion. This is hard to do. It costs a lot, and it's, it's a lot easier said than done. Trust me, I understand. It's hard. It costs us something. Time is the most valuable resource we have on this planet, and taking time to show compassion, to understand, to listen, to be present with someone, it costs us the most precious resource we have, our time. But when we do it, what better picture of the gospel how, how, how can we represent Jesus better than being fully present to someone 
in love, in genuine care. So we take the time to show compassion. And we choose to be gentle. We choose gentleness. And listen, it's hard sometimes, especially when you've, you know, if you've been around someone and they kind of come up with the same thing again and again of like a complaint or something and you're just like, oh, I'm so over it. I don't want to hear it anymore. You know what I mean? Or it's your kids and they're complaining about something. And you're like, ah, oh, I don't want to mess with it or whatever it is. It, sometimes we're just like, okay, let's just, I'm just going to speak the truth and love, you know, a little tough love, you know? A little bit of that. And there is a time for sure. Absolutely. There is a time for tough love. There is a time for the wounds of a friend, as the Bible says, right? To be honest with someone. But we have to be careful that we're not just doing that because we are being lazy. And we say, I don't want to take the time to really do anything. So I'm just going to give you the tough love. Because that's not the Jesus way. Now, when it's motivated by love, absolutely. But we have to be careful that we don't neglect the fruit of gentleness. So we take our time in showing compassion. Amen? Amen. Well, I want to take a moment as we close. Uh, the worship team is going to play another song for us, and we're going to close in worship. But uh, everyone, just take a moment, bow your heads, close your eyes. and I just want to ask the Holy Spirit. We do this every week because God might be speaking something completely different to you than someone else in this room because God knows our hearts. He knows where we're at in our life and he knows exactly what we need and when we need it. A word in season to him who is weary, God knows. So just ask God, ask the Holy Spirit, Holy Spirit, what are you saying to me? What are you saying to me? What is your message Holy Spirit, we just make room. Take a moment. We just listen. Listen for your voice, God. Will you speak to us? Maybe you're here and you're carrying a weight you've been holding on to it for too long and God's saying it's time to cast that care because I care for you it's time to let go or maybe there's someone that you've realized that it's been hard for you to show empathy or compassion to this individual and God is inviting you to freely give in the same way that you freely received. Empathy, tenderness, and compassion and care. Holy Spirit, we surrender all of this to you, Jesus. Lord, we cast our cares upon you, God. You care for us. And Lord, we ask for the grace. Lord, even when we're on empty to not grow weary in showing compassion, but to imitate you in all we do and in all of our relationships. In Jesus' name, amen. Would you stand with me? We're gonna close in this song of worship and just let God seal the word.
word that he's spoken to us in our hearts. Let's, let's close with a time of worship. If my heart is overwhelmed and I cannot hear your voice, I'll hold on to what is true, though I cannot see. If the storms of life they come and the road ahead gets deep, I will lift the Give us grace every day to walk in that and then to, to receive it and then to pour it out, Father. We love you and we bless you. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Awesome. Um, well, I'm excited about this new season, guys, and uh, I just want to let you guys know we are in that final kind of countdown, that final time right before launch. We're a month away, and I just want to remind you guys to start spreading the word, letting people know. Um, we, in a couple of weeks here, we are going to take a Sunday after service on the 30th and we're going to take some, some flyers and stuff and some door hangers and stuff and we're going to go and we're going to hit some neighborhoods around here and just spread the word, let people know. So, um, yeah, just continue to do that. We're going to be doing some different things to let you guys know today. You might've noticed my brother-in-law actually, Micah, he's been walking around taking pictures and some video and things like that. Um, he's going to be using that for our new website and for social media and all sorts of stuff, different stuff like that. So that's going to be awesome. And uh, so, yeah, so as you guys notice things, share them, spread the word, uh, and let's really, let's reach our community for Jesus. Sound good? All right. Love you guys. Have a great week.